The following program is brought to you by Tower Keepers. Support your local CSN station. CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live Bible answer program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a question on the Bible or the Christian faith, you can call us at 1 888 827 5276. That's 1 888 Ask CSN. Now let's get things started. Here's today's host. And hello, everybody. I'm Jeff Wickwire sitting in today for Mike Kessler. And I'm the pastor of Turning Point Church in the great city of Fort Worth, Texas, and also the host of the radio program called Hardwired, heard on CSN and other select stations throughout the country. And if you're interested in hearing Hardwired, you can pick it up at 7.30 p.m. Central Time on CSN. And if you happen to be in the DFW area, you can pick it up at 6 immediately after this program. You can hear us on 91.3 FM, radio station KDKR. And that's uh, Hardwired. That's a preaching, teaching, encouraging program. And we'd love to uh, minister the Word of God to you. So give us a listen. That's 6 o'clock p.m. or a.m., actually. If you want to listen in the morning, early in the morning, you're an early bird. We're on 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. on 91.3 FM in Dallas-Fort Worth. But we're here today to answer Bible questions. Uh, we love doing that. Lots of people have Bible questions. These days, so many of us are hearing things that aren't true about the Bible, that the Bible doesn't say, uh, twisted scripture, misinterpreted scripture, misapplied scripture. It's just, uh, in some areas, it's just a mess out there, the stuff that is being claimed to be Christian or biblical, and it's really not at all. So if you've got a Bible question, why don't you to... Give us a call right now at 8888-ASK-CSN. That's 8888-ASK-CSN. And we will get to your question as quickly as we can. Already got a couple of lines uh, filling up with questions, but we've got three empty right now. If you want to give us a call, we will get to your question as quickly as we can. That's 8888-ASK-CSN. And with me today is Dan Steiner founder and president of Preborn Ministries. And uh, Dan and his ministry have been instrumental in saving thousands of babies from the abortion mills uh, through the years. And we're so thankful for ministries like Dan's. And Dan, we're looking forward to the Supreme Court's decision coming at the end of June on whether or not uh, Roe v. Wade might actually be rolled back. It won't take care of abortion but it will make a gigantic statement that actually the Supreme Court finally reversed itself on this horrible, horrible law hatched in the 60s that we've lived with for these decades now and resulted in millions of babies being slaughtered. So, Dan, good to have you. Jeff, Pastor, it's uh, good to be with you again here looking into the Word of God, and uh, we're excited about uh what the Supreme Court might do, um, as you ably stated, it's not going to stop abortion in America. Girls will still be getting pregnant and still wanting abortion. It's just changing the game up. First, it'll turn it back to the states. Right now, it's legal in all 50 states. 
But in June, when they probably will turn it back to the states, then each state gets to decide. And what we're seeing now, Pastor, is a scramble by conservative and liberal states in anticipation of this uh, sea change in what you aptly stated was probably one of the worst acts of judicial activism that's ever been issued forth from the Supreme Court. Um, You've got states like California and, and Illinois where they're saying, we will be the sanctuary states you can come to. If your state outlaws abortions, you have states like um, conservative states that are preparing laws like the Texas heartbeat law that you cannot get an abortion once a heartbeat's detected. And so it's polarizing the country and not that the issue hasn't already polarized the country. And well, it should, you know, light and darkness aren't compatible. But uh, uh, when Roe versus Wade is reversed by the Supreme Court, it's going to put it back into the listener of CSN state. And so we encourage you to talk to your state legislatures that they can take a strong stand against abortion. And, of course, the liberal states, California, New York, uh, Illinois, uh, Maryland, Virginia, these states will never outlaw, have never outlawed abortion and uh, and will be sanctuary states for women, they're in many cases, Illinois and California, for example, are paying women to come in with state tax dollars from other states that are more conservative. And so the fight goes on. Um, but because of the wonderful listeners, many of you that are listening to the program, and it seems like maybe we've dropped Dan's call there. Uh, I know that he's been calling from the road. Hey, man, but- answer today. There you go. You to- Baby's lives, and uh, we're just here, Jeff. And so, and of course, as you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ is primary in what we do. Uh, we think that the greatest need a woman has is coming in and is thinking of aborting her baby or is sexually active. Most of the time, out of marriage, sixty-five percent of the time is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so, mm-hmm. we're evangelists on behalf of CSN listeners two abortion-minded women in the highest abortion cities of America, Los Angeles, New York, Chicago, where I'm at right at the moment, uh, Houston, Dallas. Yours is one of them, Jeff, over 15,000 abortions annually there in DFW. Um, and all of these things mm. on behalf of the gospel, on behalf of the listeners of CSN and um, what Pastor Mike has uh, partnered with uh, Preborn to do. So I appreciate your, your asking about that, Pastor. Yeah. You're listening to To Every Man and Answer on CSN. I'm Jeff Wickwire, filling in for Mike Kessler. And uh, my co-host today, Dan Steiner, founder and president of Preborn Ministries, who was just sharing with us uh, some various aspects of where abortion stands uh, now in the United States of America. And um, we are taking Bible questions. Uh, so if you want to call a question in, we have one line open before we go to the questions. And so you can call us at 888 8 4-8-8-8-8-8, ask CSN, and we will do our best to get to your call before the bottom of the hour and uh, answer that question that you've got regarding scripture. But you know, Dan, a uh, couple of other quick comments about abortion before we go to the calls. Um, it really comes down to, it's, it's not um, a woman's health issue, not 99% of the time. It's right. not a woman's health issue at all. It's, it, it's, and it's not a woman's body that we're talking about. Yes, her body contains the baby, 
but it's the baby's body and right to life that we're talking about. And, uh, you know, it never ceases to amaze me the way people will define phrases or redefine phrases, redefine words to couch something with a different meaning and um, to, to really avoid what's really going on. And it, it's not a woman's health issue. It, it's not. It's the baby's life issue. Because the woman's health, 99% of the time, and probably 99 point something percent of the time, the woman's health is not in jeopardy at all. It's okay. it's the baby. And so that's just really a, a way around uh, getting around what you're really doing is you're taking the life of a little child that deserves to live as much as you did. And somebody allowed you to be formed to full term in your mom's womb and you were rightfully born and uh, you had every right to be born and you have every right to live your life as long as God allows it. And those babies in the womb have the same exact right. And so it's a, it's, it's something how we get all tangled in semantics, but it really just comes down to that. The woman's health is rarely at, um, at issue and uh, that baby has a right to live just like anyone else. So anyway, we're, we're praying that if the Supreme court reverses uh, this decision, uh, as we've already stated, it won't change the, um, the state's position on it, but it will send a huge message that, uh, Hey, this, this, this whole abortion issue has been restudied, relooked at, reconsidered. And uh, so now we're reversing that, that early decision. We'll see what happens, but let's go right now to some calls. We've got, we've got Wendy in Nashua, New Hampshire. Hello, Wendy. How can we help today? Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a quest, couple questions. Um, woman's role in the church, um, just an example of what happened um, with us is we went to, we've been going to a new church and typically it's a pastor, a male pastor um, speaking. And, and I find it amazingly inspiring and just wonderful. And then we went another time and the pastor came on first and then a woman preached. And according to my husband, he couldn't even hear the message because he was really taken back by a woman preaching and the message she gave was on the heart, and I just I thought it was lovely. Um, and then the other question is, what is my role as his wife? I know I'm to support him. Um, so we're just trying to figure out the answers for this because we don't have the answers. So if we could get some help, that'd be great. Okay, so you're saying that this woman was was it the pastor's wife? No, it was it was almost like she was. Uh, Speaking on a special subject, I mean, we're fairly new. I know she's not the wife. I'm, I'm sure she's a member of the church. I don't know what her title is, but just her getting up there and speaking um, was difficult for him. So, so she carried the entire service. In other words, she spoke instead of the pastor. Yes. Okay. Well, all right. This is a common question, and it's, a, of course, a point of contention, especially with the onset of feminism in the 60s and 70s. This didn't used to be an issue, but it is now, has been for several decades now. And you have to go to the word of God here. And what does it say about a woman uh, preaching or teaching to a mixed congregation? And here's what it says. 
First uh, Timothy two, verse 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or to assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. Now, if you look at that verse and Paul is going to go on to say, and I might as well just go ahead and read it. Verse 13, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Then it says, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Now, so Paul is defaulting here or referring to uh, the way God originally uh, set things up, what we would call divine order. In another place, the Bible says that the head of every man is Christ and the head of every woman is the man. So you're talking about divine order here. It has nothing to do with value or intelligence or giftedness or ability or anything like that. It has to do with divine order and also the makeup of men and women. Paul says flat out that when man fell, Adam did it eyes wide open. He knew exactly what he was doing. He he knew what God had said uh, and told them not to do. Don't eat of that tree. He knew it. So he ate of that fruit with full awareness that he was sinning. The woman, however, claims Paul, was deceived. She really believed by the time she ate of it that it was okay because she had been listening to the serpent, the devil. Paul seems to be making the case that because of the makeup of men and women being different, I know that's a shock to some people in our culture today that there's actually a difference between men and women, um, but there is not just physiologically, but also emotionally, that the woman being emotional, more empathetic, more sympathetic, more prone to responding to things emotionally, which we men happen to love because we love that gentle emotional touch of a woman. Uh, However, Paul seems to be suggesting that that makes a woman more vulnerable to deception from the enemy. Um, more, we might say, seducible, okay? Now, he says, based on divine order, I don't want a man in the local church, or I'm sorry, a woman in the local church, in a local church gathering, like we would gather on a Sunday, I don't want a woman leading that congregation. I don't think he's forbidding her to ever speak to the congregation, But being in the position of a senior pastor is where I believe the word of God clearly draws the line. That's where he says no. And 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 notice what he says. I don't want a woman exercising authority over a man. Well, see, I can tell you as a pastor of many years, there's no way that you can pastor a church without exercising authority all the time. Every time you stand in the pulpit, you're exercising authority the spiritual authority that God has given you to minister to that congregation of people. You're exercising authority. He says, because of divine order, the woman being subject to the man should not be exercising authority over the man. Now, again, I I can almost feel the, you know, the, the feminist bristles out there rising and reacting to that statement. So I want to reiterate It has nothing to do with value or ability or giftedness or intellectual capacity. None of that. It has to do with divine order. And so 
my answer to your question, Wendy, is if she shared with the congregation, that's the pastor's call. Uh, I know there are some pastors who would not allow a woman to address the mixed congregation. They would say that she's exercising spiritual authority, even then, even though it's one time she's exercising spiritual authority, and Paul forbade that. But I know others that pretty much draw the line with a woman uh, being a senior pastor. I don't believe the scripture allows for a female senior pastor. I, I, I'm, I'm just reading it. I didn't write it. I'm just quoting it to you. I didn't, I'm just, I'm reading it. And I believe that's, that's God's principle for local churches. So I hope with this sort of a rather lengthy description, this helps. And Dan, do you have any thoughts on this before we go back to Wendy? Yeah, Wendy, I think that it's a common common question, particularly when the society is becoming gender dys, dysphoric and uh, authority dysphoric. The woman, both in the marriage and in the church, and we know that uh, marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. And so there's that same divine alignment that Pastor Jeff spoke of where it's um, equal uh, equals in different roles. The man is not better than the woman, not more intelligent, not more able. It's just different roles in the church. Your role is, you know, the wife is submissive to the husband. You asked about your role to the husband. The husband is to love his wife sacrificially like Christ loved the church. And it takes a, you know, submission as well in the church to be under the God-given authority of, uh, you know, male leadership. I believe, Jeff, that's more than the pastor. I believe that's the, the elders of the church, the authority of the church. Agreed. Um, and, uh, you know, this is where I can tell you after 30 years of ministry that there is so much blessing in the ability to submit. Pastor Jeff here submits to his elders, deacons, or board. I submit to our board at Preborn. There's power in submission. First to where uh, the word of God says the order is both in the church and in the marriage. Um, you know, and then in our personal lives. And so the good question to draw out where we stand and where we stand securely is solely and singularly the word of God. Anything beyond that, that's dangerous territory, Wendy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, Wendy, one last thing. Uh, Dan is so right. When you look at local church government in the New Testament, we do find deaconettes. We do find female deacons for sure. We find Paul um, thanking female Christians who greatly helped him um, in the ministry in, in which he was involved. Uh, women are in no way uh, censored or, or shut down by Paul. Uh, Jesus raised the level uh, and the position of women in the first century uh, above all others. That is, no no one elevated women like Jesus. Every feminist in America should love Jesus because of the way that he elevated women in the New Testament. Um, we could go on and on about that, but you, but back to the local church government, you do find deaconess, but you never find an elderette. You never find a female elder. You find a couple of the Greek words for elder is presbyteros. The OS there is a masculine Greek ending. You find episkopos. And there you have the OS ending again, and that's masculine 
it's never feminine. You never find a female elder, but you do find female deacons. So I hope all this helps, Wendy. Uh, does it? Yes, and I have to, I'm laughing because I have to go with my tail between my legs because <laughs> he was so right about it, and he told me that, and I was like, well, I don't know, I don't know. But, yeah, um, yeah. yeah, he was uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I like to say when all else fails, you follow directions. And the only church, uh, you know, so many churches and denominations are in trouble these days because they've, they've disattached themselves from the clear teaching of Scripture. And anytime you do that, you are like a ship out at sea with no anchor, no compass, and no sail. And you get into big time trouble. You're just blown about by all the various storms of false doctrine and false teaching, everything else that is out there. If you, if you disattach from the word. So this is one area where we just need to cling closely to the scriptures. So I hope that helps, Wendy. Yeah, it's great. Thank you so much. All right. You have a blessed day. Stay on the line. We'll get you a couple of DVDs and uh, maybe a couple of books to help you along the way. And uh, thanks for calling in. And uh, let's go now to Randy in St. George, Utah. Hello, Randy. How can we help? Hi, how are you doing, Jeff? Dan? Very well. Thank you. Okay. Well, good. Um, I just want to say thank you all for this show. It's a, it's a blessing. Uh, you know, you're, we're all learning every day. If we're not, we're probably already in the grave. Um, to my question real quick, um, it's kind of a little off question. Uh, what it was is um, once the judgment is finally passed out and we make it to heaven, those who were blessed to make it. Um, I was just wondering, would we automatically know that the person we're seeing as Moses, say Isaiah, would we know these characters of the Bible automatically, or would we have to, I mean, would we be have access to them? I know there'd be a lot of people there, but would we automatically know? Well, this, this is a question we've gotten pretty frequently, and I thought about myself uh, quite a bit. Now, we go to the Bible, and... Uh, we find, for instance, John teaching that when Christ comes and we go to be with him, we shall see him as he is. And when we see him as he is, we will know even as we have been known. That's a very intriguing statement. We will know even as we have been known. Well, how well are we known by God? Well, we're known thoroughly, consummately, right down to the number of hairs on our head. God knows us inside out. Um, David said in the 139th Psalm, you know, my coming and going, you know, when I sit down, you know, when I stand up, you know what my thoughts are before I ever think them. So we are thoroughly, consummately known by God. So John says, when we go to heaven, we will know even as we have been known. I personally believe we will know the Bible characters. And not only that, I believe we will know loved ones. Um, I do have verses for this. Um, one is the rapture of the church. First, first Thessalonians four says that the, when the rapture happens and the trumpet blows and Christ returns to capture and catch up his bride, that the first to go up will be those that have died in Christ and are buried, that they will come out of the grave. Then it says we who are alive, we who are still walking around when the rapture happens, we're covered in the blood. We are children of God. We that who are alive and remain will be caught up together. Now, these next two words are powerful. With them, we will be caught up together 
with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Well, who's the them? Well, the them is those loved ones that have been buried. And we we that are alive will be caught up together with grandma, grandpa, uh, loved ones who have gone before us all the way back to the first century. Paul will come out of the grave, Peter, James, John, Jude, uh, all the epistle writers, the gospel writers, all of the old, uh, listen, all the Old Testament and the New Testament saints are going to come out of the grave. And when they do, we will be caught up together with them. Now, that just seems to intimate to me we'll know them. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter knew that it was Moses and Elijah standing next to to Christ Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. He knew. He knew who they were and wanted to build a little place for them. And uh, so I believe that. I believe that we will know them now. Jesus said there's not going to be any marriage in heaven, but he never said we would not know loved ones in heaven. I, I think we will because we're going to know even as we have been known. Uh, Dan, your thoughts. Yeah, that's a precious scripture, isn't it, Jeff? That I mean, he knows every molecule of our body. And if we're going to know, even as he knows, then we're going to have divine wisdom uh, imparted by the infilling of the Holy Spirit when we're in glory. But you're... You're absolutely right, Jeff. Uh, scripture supports the carrying of personality into, into the heavenly places, into glory. Um, we see that in the Old Testament, even with, uh, Samuel and Saul, where Saul went to uh, ill-advisedly the witch of Endor. And, uh, he asked her to pull up Samuel and to the witch's consternation, she actually did it. And it was Samuel. And, Scripture is very clear there um, in First Samuel, I believe it's like 28, that she says, you know, Saul perceived that it was Samuel. He recognized mm-hmm. that it was that man. And so um, what a, you know, I was recalling just recently, Randy, that this is this makes death a lot more palatable, that those that we love are waiting for us and we will know them. They will retain who they are. And, uh, you know, it gives us something to look forward that each one of us is going to face, which is that that day and hour that the Lord knows when we will go to be with him, whether it's by death or hopefully by rapture. So, Amen. Amen. Does that good, help, Randy? Good scripture. Oh, that helps. That helps amazingly. Um, wow. What a glorious day that's going to be, gentlemen. Can't wait to see you Isn't there. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? And, you know, I don't think it's very far off. It doesn't seem that way to me. Um, there are no prophecies that must come to pass before the rapture of the church takes place. So, folks, we might be just right around the corner from being caught up. We'll be right back with to, with more of To Every Man and Answer after these brief announcements. Don't go anywhere. We'll get to your questions right when we come back. Here's Dan Steiner, president of Preborn, a ministry dedicated to helping save preborn babies from abortion. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. Preborn is a direct competition to planned parenthood. By letting the mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, She will choose life 80% of the time. 
To learn how you can save a baby's life, just go to csnradio.com and click on the preborn banner or call 855-668-BABY. That's 855-668-BABY. All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. You're listening to CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. We broadcast on hundreds of stations nationwide, including many stations in great cities in Georgia. You can listen in Athens, Savannah, Danielsville, Buford, and many more. Get a full station list or listen anywhere in the world live at csnradio.com. CSN International, where God's Word is heard. Bringing songs to the Lord from the hearts of believers. To glorify and praise the name of Jesus, the Christian Satellite Network. back to To Every Man and Answer. I'm Jeff Wickwire, pastor of Turning Point Church in the great city of Fort Worth, Texas. And I want to welcome all of you, as Rush Limbaugh used to say, all across the fruited plain. Good to have you with us today. And uh, we're answering some great Bible questions. It's gone so quickly, the first half of the show. And uh, with me today is Dan Steiner, who is founder and president of Preborn Ministries, a tremendous ministry outreach that has been instrumental in saving thousands of babies' lives from the abortion mills through the years. And uh, we're enjoying our time with you today. And we want to go right back to the phone lines. And we've got some great questions here. By the way, if you want to call a question in, it's 8888-ASK-CSN. 8888-ASK-CSN. We've got a couple of lines open. But let's know, uh, go now to uh, Chris in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Hello, Chris. How can we help? Hey, how you doing today? Hello? I'm doing good. Thank you. Doing good. That's good. Well, I have a question. Uh, every Sunday, you know, we do have church in our yard, and the Lord put it on my heart to talk about the church. And I know every we are all called, you know, to preach, the, preach and teach the whole gospel and not just part of it. And I was wondering, is it okay for someone to be involved, sexually involved in sexual immorality and hold a position in the church like a deacon, pastor, usher, or in the choir, or band director, or anything like that? Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not laughing at your question. Please don't misunderstand. But isn't it something that we have to ask that question in this day and age? Because that's a question, uh, even 30 years ago, we wouldn't have been dealing with. But there's been such a disconnect from people who profess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, who profess to be Christians and yet live lifestyles that are so disconnected from the clear teaching of Scripture. So let me just answer your question, Chris. The Bible says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, which had a a big immorality problem. 
as well as many other uh, major issues. They were the most gifted church, but they had all kinds of stuff going on that was uh, unbiblical. Uh, sexual immorality was one of them. So Paul writes and he says, don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, that's sex with someone before marriage, intimacy before marriage, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, that's uh, sex with somebody outside of your marriage covenant, nor homosexuals, we all know what that is, nor sodomites, we know what that is, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, revilers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now, notice in that sordid list how many of the things Paul called out are sexual in nature. Uh, four or five of them, at least. Now, a few verses later, in verse 18, Paul says, flee sexual immorality. Now, the word there is the Greek word pornuo, uh, and that is the word, of course, from which we get pornography, and it means all kinds of sexual sin. Uh, it would include bestiality, incest, um, all kinds of different sexual sin, not just intimacy between two unmarried people. So the word flee there means run as if in terror from sexual immorality. Very strong word. So clearly, Paul writes this just to the average Christian, much less church leadership. Okay? So the average Christian is to live according to these verses and uh, Paul says in another place, glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price. So don't involve yourself in fornication, adultery, or any, any other kind of sexual sin, because your body ain't yours. It's God's, because he purchased your body with the blood of his son. So it's not even our body anymore if we're a believer. It's owned by God, and the currency paid for our bodies was the shed blood of his only begotten son, Jesus Christ. So um, there you go, Chris. And I'll, I'll go to Dan to see if Dan has anything he wants to add. But the Bible is so clear that uh, even the average Christian shouldn't be doing these things, much less church leadership. Dan? Yeah, well said, Pastor. Uh, certainly not in any um, positioned example, which is what teachers should be in the church and are looked to, and so uh, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Where you carry your body, you carry the Holy Spirit with you. And so uh, sexual immorality, adultery, you know, is involving the Lord in it, frankly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a defilement of, of, of something that's holy, which is our body, which, as Pastor said, has been bought with a price. So, yeah. you know... It's easy to be pulled by the uh, laissez-faire attitude of our culture in these kind of matters, but the the church is the bride of Christ. And um, those, uh, if you, Randy, have, or Chris, have uh, authority or say so in that, why you should need to just do as Paul does and purge that one from having any position and and encourage them to repent. Yeah, and Chris, I would also add... um, that there's a trickle-down effect when church leadership goes off into sin. Um, if you're reading the news much at all, we're watching really the, the tragedies of a lot of huge ministries. I uh, don't need to name any names. Uh, it'd be easy to look up. It's hard to name the names because it hurts 
but huge worldwide ministries have come crashing down because leadership got involved in immorality among other things. And so um, I believe when a church leader goes off in a sin, it has a leavening effect uh, on the congregation that he's pastoring. And uh, so it's a very dangerous thing. So Chris, you're, you're totally within your bounds to go out there and teach and bring the word uh, that'll purify that church leadership should not be involved in immorality. Does that help Chris? Yes, sir. So I, I know now I can stand there and I can say that, speak that sermon this Sunday. There you go. <laughs> Let it fly because we, we need to hear that. We, we need preaching like that. We all do because the word of God purifies us, um, keeps us walking the straight line. So you go for it, Chris, and our prayers are with you. And thank you for calling, Chris. All right, let's go right now to uh, Wilma in Cottonwood, Arizona. Hello, Wilma. How can we help? Hi, Jeff and Dan. Have a God-blessed day. You um, too. I'm calling. I'm not calling for a question. I'm calling, hopefully, that I can be an encouragement to a lot of people out there. And I thank God I'm a tower keeper. I thank God that we have this privilege to be able to share with so many. I can share one-on-one to people here, but to be able to share this is, is, I just needed to do this. I've been trying for days. Anyway, I went to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa in the 70s with the hippies. No, I was not a hippie. And my three daughters and I practically lived there. We went almost every night, twice on Sunday for years. And I moved to Arizona. It doesn't matter. Anyway, um, I had a son, and uh, he was living with his dad. He was the oldest. And I found out that he had a $500 cocaine habit over 30 years ago. He's lucky to be alive. And I, I went to a, a Bible study on Thursday mornings to Romaine. If anybody ever heard of Romaine, you'll know he was like a drill sergeant. But he was a wonderful man, sweet. I loved him. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um, and he shared something with me. It was the hardest thing for me to do. Because I know so many people out there are aching for loved ones. They're aching for children. They're aching for ones that are doing stuff like this. And you've done everything you can. And most of them are praying diligently for those children or those people. I still have cousins and a brother that's not saved. Mm -hmm. So your point being, are you there, Wilma? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry. Something happened. Anyway, um, the, the, what Romaine shared that time, he said, you need to quit praying for protection for this and all these things around. He said, you need to pray this way. Lord, whatever you have to do to bring them to their knees, go for it. And I remember back in the 70s, it said there was a saying called, let go and let God. It is so hard to let go. We want so badly for these people to get saved. Well, to give you an idea how wonderful it was, yes, I prayed every day the same prayer. 
whatever you have to do. My son ended up becoming a born-again Christian about 30 years ago. He ended up being in a ministry, in a prison ministry with a pastor, ministering to people that had these problems. And to this day, he is teaching in a home Bible study. Well, that's wonderful, Wilma. Listen, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there who have children that have gone astray. They're prodigals. And nothing will break your heart like a prodigal child. Nothing. It, it rips your heart out. You can't sleep. You can't eat. You can't think of anything else until they do come home. And um, so uh, this word of encouragement, so wonderful. I had the same thing happen with me and my my son. And uh, he went off into a very dark world for a number of years. And now he's completely delivered from all the drugs and everything. So Wilma, uh, thank you. And I, I hope that this word of encouragement, maybe somebody out there needs this. Uh, in a very, very special way right now. And so uh, I, I pray that Wilma's little word of encouragement there and testimony will touch you and encourage you. Don't give up. Thank you, Wilma. And a great testimony and a great word. Let's go now to Al in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hello, Al. How are you? How's it going? Good, thank you. Hey, uh, Very well. I had a, I, 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 you know, you hear all the problems where this is happening and that's happening and the news reporters, they just report everything one way. Well, I kept looking at it and I said, people don't really talk this way, you know, and I attributed to that filthy God, uh, hypnos, you know, uh, hypnosis, where that Mm -hmm. word hypnosis comes from. It comes from that that phrase, the sleeping God. And so I think it, it seems like people are systematically being hypnotized glo- on a global scale to do certain things by using radio waves in order to transmit certain things that they want done. And uh, I'm pretty sure that they dabble into everything, metaphysics, um, divinations, everything that the Bible says not to do, these people are doing on a very large scale. I mean, I read an article where they were talking about controlling the planet in such a way where certain things would get done, and to take down this country from the inside out, is what's being done, but yeah, you know, Al, I, I, I'm gonna just want to uh, step in real quick and say I I agree. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, you can go back to watching Adolf Hitler speak. I remember, of course, it's horrible. The man was horrifically demonized, but that's just the point. When he spoke, uh, it was not just mesmerizing, but there was a spiritual aspect to it. And um, he was able to literally mesmerize a nation and and a, a great deal of the world. Uh, and there was a, a spiritual hypnosis, if you will, involved in it. And I believe the uh, media, and, um, and not to sound paranoid, I, because I'm not a paranoid person, I do trust God, but um, I, I believe that there is a, a lot of, there are a lot of things that go on in media, uh, even in newscasts, 
where very subtle uh, suggestions are made, innuendo, uh, little thoughts are dropped into the American mind that changes minds, changes philosophies, and can even be a little bit hypnotizing. I believe that a lot of the entertainers today, um, and I'll go so far as to say there have been a few halftime, Super Bowl halftime uh, entertainers who I felt uh, were distinctly demonized or semi-demonized and uh, mesmerizing in a very wrong and evil way. And so we need to pray for our, our world because the ultimate, what we might call hypnotizer, the Antichrist, will one day uh, arise, more than likely out of Europe, and uh, he will lead the entire world in a terrible deception. And uh, so uh, thank you, Al, for those thoughts. And we need to pray for the truth of the word of God to prevail, not the evil intentions, wicked intentions of mankind, especially in these days of mass media, where so many different ways can be found to uh, sway people. So thank you, Al, for your call. And I'm going to go right now to Lena in Detroit, Michigan. Hello, Lena. Hi, Pastor. God bless you. Love the show. Longtime listener. Thank you. Good to have you with us today. How can we help? Um, I wanted to know, and I'm not sure if this wasn't really uh, mentioned in the Bible, but how long were Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall? We don't know. We don't know how long they were there. Um, I've, I've thought about this myself. I, I taught Genesis just recently, and, and you see the creation. You see God creating Adam and Eve. Uh, two chapters were spent on it. And uh, yet we're not told how long it took for the serpent to seduce Eve into deception, into eating of the fruit that uh, was forbidden. We don't know. It, it could have been months. It could have been a couple of years. There, there's really no way of knowing. Um, so it's one of those things where the Bible is silent. We must be silent. Uh, maybe Dan has an, another thought on this, but I haven't been able to come up with any answer except we just we just don't know. Dan? Yeah, I, I think that very beginning of creation um, is uh, pretty general in terms of a lot of things pertaining to Adam and Eve, um, you know, clothed with skins and such. Uh, it's not definitively said. And your quote, Jeff, where the Bible speaks, we speak with the Bible silent. Why? That's where we need to be silent. So you can't really be assertive in any of that. Yeah. Yeah, you can't be. So. It is a, a neat thought, but it's only a thought, and uh, we can only um, wonder how long. But uh, sadly, um, long enough to be deceived <laughs> and fall and carry the world with them into, um, wow, heartbreak. So I hope that helps, Lena. Does that answer your question? Absolutely. I, I kind of already, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. So yeah. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> you were right. <laughs> Well, you were right, and uh, we appreciate your call, Lena, and stay on the line. We'll get you a couple of DVDs, books, and uh, you call back anytime. And be blessed there in Detroit, Michigan. And let's go now to Heather in Oklahoma. Hello, Heather. Hello, how are you? Good. What can we do for you today? Um, I just kind of had a question. Um, I've been separated from my husband now for about a year. And I'm a believer. He's a believer. He grew up in the church. I did not. Um, 
my question is, is how is it that someone that grew up in a home with Christianity, of course, his dad probably wasn't as strong as his mom was, um, and can quote scripture and, you know, can pray, can still have deep-rooted issues with substance abuse. And you're saying this is where your husband is? He, he's having issues with substance abuse? Well, yeah, he's in jail right now um, oh, for his temper, yeah. and it's okay. not good. So um, I actually had a two-part question, but I guess I have to do that another time. Well, well let me respond to that because that is a, a powerful question. A lot of people wonder this. How can you be saved? Uh, really believe in Jesus, where clearly uh, you're, you're going to heaven based on your profession of faith and your testimony of having been born again, uh, and yet you're struggling with all kinds of carryover from your past life, uh, things like that. I really believe it comes down to this. We need to understand what happens when you're saved. When we are saved, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man or woman be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. The old has passed away, all has become new. All right, well, what is the all that has become new? What is the old that has passed away? What is the new creation? All right, we are triune. We are three-part. We have a body, we have a soul, we have a spirit. All right, the spirit is the core of us, the center of us. It's the life force. Um, and when, before we are saved, that spirit, man inside of us, that inner core of us is dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2, 1. You who were dead in trespasses and sins have now been made alive in Jesus Christ or have been quickened. All right, well, what happened? Your spirit man that was dead Necros, dead in trespasses and sins, was literally made alive for the first time in your whole life when you got saved. All right. So your spirit is what is born again. But then there is the soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your thoughts, your personality, your hangups. Um, all of that stuff is part of your soul. And the Bible says that once we're born again in our spirit, man, we must renew our minds. We must be renewed in the spirit of our mind. Romans 12, verses uh, 1, 2, and 3. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So our old way of thinking, our old ways of doing, our old ways of responding, all the old stuff. Um, that is what needs to be renewed by the constant reading and assimilation of and acting out upon the word of God. And uh, people with issues like your husband's, sometimes if we come out of a really, really abusive background or a, a background of some really deep sin, uh, Jesus said in the book of Revelations, uh, he, he referred to a group of people that had known the depths of Satan as if to infer that they had been involved in a level of sin that was uh, beyond normal. Okay. That person needs renewing more than perhaps the person that was raised in church and 
never really went off in any major sin and eventually got born again. So I believe, uh, Heather, that it comes down to needing for our minds to be renewed. I don't think Christians realize how crucial it is that we get into the word of God every single day and that we allow the word of God to erase old ways of thinking and replace them with new ways of thinking. Dan, your thoughts. Yeah, it's good, Jeff. What we're talking here, Heather's progressive sanctification, you know, the spirit is renewed day by day, but, you know, our bodies are a different story. And even the Apostle Paul struggled with that. You find it in Romans 7 throughout that uh, chapter where he says, I find a law that evil is present. This is Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. He says, I find that a law, it's a law that evil is present within me, the one who wills to do good. I delight a law of God in the inward man, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. And so the spirit sets itself against, the flesh sets itself against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. We're walking through this journey to heaven, uh, being changed as it talks in, I believe, Second Corinthians 3, from glory to glory into the image of Christ. It's a progressive work of renewing ourselves and being sanctified. Um, I admire what you're doing, and I think the Lord will honor it, Heather, where you're being faithful to stay with your husband and pray that the Lord would deliver him. And I want to encourage you that God is fully able to completely return the situation and renew him, free him from this addiction, that he could be the man of God that you need him to be. So don't give up. All right, Heather, does that help? That helps a lot because <clears throat> I... I just couldn't understand why he would always say, you know, I believe, I believe, I pray, and I didn't see a change. And, you know, um, it just had me puzzled because I don't read as much. You know, I I read, but not not like I should. I mean, I'm not perfect. But his... Some Some of the things that get their hooks in us, Heather, in this day and age, are deep hooks. And it takes a real act of God to deliver us. And we're really going to pray for your husband. And listen, you stay strong. And um, let's see what God does. God can do anything. Nothing is impossible with him. And so uh, thank you so much for your call. I think it was probably an encouragement to others out there as well. And uh, we're coming down to the close of the show. We have a few seconds left. I want to go to Oscar and grab your question real quick. Oscar, fire away. All right. So my question is um, demons. Uh, I've uh, understood it to be the fallen angels, uh, but that concept has recently been challenged. And uh, they're saying that uh, angels or demons are the souls of dead men. No, they're not. Because the souls of men that die either go immediately to Hades if they're lost or they go into the presence of the Lord if they're saved. Demons are indeed fallen angels. Thank you, everybody. Our time is up. I'm Jeff Wickwire for Mike Kessler. Thanks for listening. Dan, thanks for being with us. You were a great help. Everybody have a blessed day and a blessed week. And remember, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. This ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. 
Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. The preceding program was brought to you by Tower Keepers. Support your local CSN station.